From the Sky News Centre at 7. Labour has blamed the Tories for crashing the economy after confirming it's ditching a promise to spend £28 billion a year on environmental investments. The party says it'll now spend a fraction of that, but will still meet previous commitments if it wins the next election. They include launching a green energy company and insulating millions of homes. Our deputy political editor Sam Coates says Labour has effectively scrapped one of the big dividing lines with the Conservatives. For months there's been speculation over this policy just 48 hours hours ago, Keir Starmer was defending the headline figure uh, of £28 billion, but now it is no more. America's highest court appears on track to clear Donald Trump to be on the ballot paper in Colorado. The state had blocked him, claiming he'd violated a Civil War-era part of the Constitution by encouraging rioting after he lost the last election. Campaigner Noah Bookbinder helped bring the case against Mr Trump, claiming he used violence to keep himself in power. The Constitution has in it a provision that is designed for exactly that situation that says that somebody who swore an oath to support the Constitution and then engaged in insurrection is disqualified from office. Supreme Court judges are likely to overturn that ruling though. Snow and ice could make for a dangerous drive home this evening in northern parts of the UK as heavy rain hits the south. Weather warnings are in place across much of the country. Ukraine's president has sacked the head of his army. Vladimir Zelensky says it's time for renewal after months of speculation about a rift with Valery Zaluzhny. The Queen says her husband, the King, is doing extremely well under the circumstances after his cancer diagnosis. Her Majesty is at Salisbury Cathedral for her first public appearance since the announcement. And medals at this summer's Olympics in Paris will include metal from the Eiffel Tower. They'll all feature a chunk made out of scrap metal taken off the landmark during repairs. And that's the latest. I'm Simon English. We are... We are... Castle Down FM. We are we are Castle Down FM. Yeah, and good evening, and welcome along to this week's edition of Sounds Interesting. And uh, joining us on the program tonight is Laura Shenton, who we're pleased to welcome back to the show. Uh, she's written a book, uh, the ELP story, so we should be featuring the music of this epic band on the program, and also some new tracks from Yes, Jethro Tull, and Pink Floyd. Playing music for everyone, everywhere. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Yeah, so uh, what we're doing is looking at the band ELP tonight. So just as an introduction, uh, in Laura Shenton's book, she first takes uh, a little uh, look about uh, the music career and influences of the three members, Keith Emerson, Greg Lake and Carl Palmer. Uh, Greg Lake was born on the 10th of November 1947, and it was upon buying Little Richard's single Lucille in 1957 that he first got into rock and roll music.
Greg Lake's early band was uh, Unit 4 and it was whilst in that band playing in pool that he met up with uh, Robert Fripp. Now Fripp joined Lake on guitar when he stood in on a gig that they were booked for in Ventnor on the Isle of Wight and Fripp formed King Crimson when his former band Giles, Giles and Fripp failed to make it commercially. So let's have a track from King Crimson. This is Lark's Tongues in Aspect, part two.
So, well, I'm really pleased to have uh, Laura Shenton with us again tonight on Sounds Interesting. And uh, you've written, of course, yet another book. And uh, this time it's uh, A Time and a Place by the, uh, with about the ELP story. Uh, first of all, I wanted to ask you, Laura, uh, each member of ELP had previously been in a band that had created great music. They'd all uh, showed their incredible abilities as musicians. Greg Lake, uh, along with his friend, actually, Robert Fripp, came together in King Crimson, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. And, um, of course, you had um, Keith Emerson, who'd been with The Nice, um, and with that band, he toured um, America quite a few times by that point. Um, Carl Palmer had played with um, The Crazy World, albeit not on The um, the Fire. Um, and, yeah, like you say, they all came, um, by the time they were with ELP, um, you know, all three of them together, it's interesting because it, it created something of a double-edged sword for the trio because mm-hmm. on the one hand, it was like, well, they're established musicians, um, people were already interested in what they were going to do, but there was also that pressure because even before they played a single note of music to the public, they were being billed as a supergroup, so the consequence of that was a hell of a lot of pressure um, indeed and it, it was something that really you know it could have gone either way for them indeed and we'll come on to that in just a minute but as you say like Carl Palmer wasn't a part of Crazy World of Arthur Brown but also Atomic Rooster another really amazing band weren't they yeah and um, it's very much worth sort of listening to to those the output of those bands I mean King Crimson's probably been the most enduring in terms of um, you know radio replay and you know longevity because um, uh-huh. of course Robert Fripp he's he's that throughout his career uh, but you know Atomic Rooster and The Nice they're, they're both bands that are well worth listening to um, you know if you're an ELP fan because I, I think if only for the fact that you know they are good music in and of itself but it's it's also provides a lot of context as to you know the what they were sort of doing prior to ELP I am the god of hellfire and I bring you fire
We are. We are. Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Well, yes, the crazy world of Arthur Brown, uh, who you just heard, um, went really included, of course, uh, Carl Palmer in an early lineup. And Palmer was born on the 20th of March 1950, and he started learning the drums from a young age. And Carl was a member of Car- Chris Farlow and the Thunderbirds in 1966. He then joined Crazy World of Arthur Brown, who had already recorded their number one hit that you've just heard, Fire, which was on the chart for 14 weeks in 1968. Uh, Power's next venture was a member of Atomic Rooster, and he was involved in the release of their first album in 1970. Carl Palmer left Atomic Rooster in the summer of 1970 and joined one of the greatest super groups of all time. The final uh, member of ELP was Keith Emerson, who was uh, born on the 2nd of November 1944. Um, Soon after the war, Keith and uh, his family settled in Goring-by-Sea in West Sussex, and when he was eight, Keith started having piano lessons after learning classical pieces. Uh, Emerson started developing his own style around jazz and rock music. One of his early influences was Floyd Kramer's 1961 number one hit, On the Rebound. Floyd Crummer and uh, that's a lovely little instrumental sound called On the Rebound. Well, and Keith Emerson took in all sorts of influences. He listened to Boogie Woogie and country-style pianists, along with rock and roll of the likes of Jerry Lee Lewis and Little Richard. And Emerson's first band was the T-Bones, after a break came uh, together again, actually, in 1967. After that, Emerson formed a new band with his fellow bandmate Lee Jackson, and they called themselves the nice. Here is the, one of their greatest uh, tracks, America. <laughs>
Magic Anticipation that is murdered by the hand of the inevitable. He actually loved jazz and uh, he found Dave Brubrick uh, quite fascinating. Uh, he joined his first band after performing in Worthing, West Sussex. I noticed uh, you put that into the into the book. So, yeah, as you say, quite interesting, these kind of backgrounds to, to them before they came together. Mm, definitely. Well, ELP's uh, first gig in August 1970 was at the Plymouth Guild Hall, which resulted in shouts of more, more, more from a, for a, after a, like a full quarter of an hour. That must have been quite amazing for their first uh, first outing. Yeah, um, prior to doing that gig, they, they put a lot of thought into um, where they were going to play. I mean, there were lots of rumours about, um, you know, from the music press uh, and speculation about, oh, where were they going to play? Because, again, they'd, they'd built up this huge reputation simply by fact of who they'd played with before. Oh. Um, and it, it, as I say, it really could have gone either way. I mean, John Peel, um, his opinion mattered so much. Um, you know, in terms of what he told the the record buying public about a band, and he he wasn't actually a fan of ELP at all. Um, you know, it wasn't that he didn't champion them; he called them a waste of electricity. What a thing to say! Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's rude, isn't it? I mean, it, really going for the jugular there, and you know, to to not have the. I mean, now, I mean, there's so many like media outlets that a band's success doesn't necessarily fall to the opinion of one DJ, but hmm. back then big deal that you know john peel had active these these guys are rubbish basically um so so yeah it really you know it, it it was very much in the balance back then and i think there was pressure on the band as well and they had to work very hard to prove themselves because because even then anything under the label of progressive rock um you know there were people who loved it of course and that's why it did so well at the time but there were also plenty of people who thought it was pompous even in the early 70s at me across the room emerging from a silk cocoon along beneath Venetian chandeliers against the moon her body rocks her eyes were cunning like a fox the wings of passion fly on all frontiers from this fire there's no returning no escape your heart is burning love becomes a Weapon. No one is too smart in affairs of the heart oh. In affairs of the heart Now upon the bridge she waits Dreaming of our tangled fates Her face was like a ghost with eyes of jade Hell just like a falling star Victim of this coup d'etat, I could not see behind this masquerade. From this fire, there's no returning, no escape, your heart is burning. Love becomes a lethal weapon, careful where you start in affairs of the heart. In affairs of the heart. Sometimes I think I'll never learn 
despair in love and war A tender draw, the shortest straw Like autumn leaves, they vanish in the air Is this the time we say goodbye? I call a room, there's no reply Tonight we end this fleeting love affair From this fire there's no returning No escape, your heart is burning Your station, your music. On 104.7, this is Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G.
And that was even before they performed live. I mean, you know, that was must have been quite a first, really, for, for, for a band to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I suppose because they were very arrangement um, oriented, it it wasn't perhaps too difficult for them in the sense that you know everything was sort of composed beforehand. Um, they they, you know, some bands if they hadn't developed their sound on the road, it, it would have been to go into the studio but i suppose mm. it had that advantage because they, they were quite classically focused anyway so it, it wasn't perhaps so daunting for them to plan something in advance but you think of bands that that have developed their sound because of what they they played live you know anything from like deep purple to the stranglers you know mm. um other bands might not have fared as well in that sort of chronology Indeed, and that first album contains such tracks as uh, The Barbian, uh, Take a Pebble and Knife Edge. Amazing tracks those, weren't they? Yeah, I think the first album is very much a statement of intent. Um, I think Emerson said something along those lines at the time as well. It was, um, you know, it, it was the group sort of getting their bearings, but it's if you listen to the classical inspirations, it's something that very much stayed with them for the entirety of their, their career together.
station, your music on 104.7. This is Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Just a step cry the sad man Take a look down at the madman Fear the king's on Silver wings fly beyond reason From the flight of the seagull Come the spread claws of the eagle Only fear breaks the silence As we all kneel, pray for guidance No! 
By Ge- already by January 1971, they were working on their second album, and in those days, bands released albums in quite quick succession, didn't they? And that album, was, of course, was Tarkus. Yeah, that's right. And um, it's interesting because Tarkus, um, of course, was their second album, um, but it was very much t- whether Tarkus or Pictures at an next was going to be the band's second album um and they had a lot of discussion amongst themselves and those higher up as to what should be the second release because in terms of their reputation it was still very much a case of well what do we want to convey to our our fans and the critics um uh, you know in terms of showing them what we are what we can do and Tarkus was um an interesting album in i mean i've gone into lots of detail about this in the book it was an interesting album in terms of you know they they weren't a happy band <laughs> even that early on um you know they had a lot of disagreements um greg lake threatened to leave the band and um that's why side one is very different to side two um because you know some people have said even retrospectively side two was a bit of a throwaway um side one was a lot more intensely composed mm-hmm. um but it's a great album i, I think it stands up today um can't fault it. <laughs> I guess what you're saying about uh, you know the, the disagreements even at the beginning, because they were three such creative uh, characters, very difficult for them to always kind of be on the same page in a way. Yeah, I think it would be. It's it's strange because if you didn't have three headstrong people. I suppose the question is, would the music and the ideas have been there at all? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's it's difficult because it, it must have been quite a challenge to them. And um, as I found when I was researching the book, there there were inconsistencies in their interviews. Sometimes there'd be very much a, a sense of, oh no, we're we're just colleagues. We just mm-hmm. we just stick with it because we play very well together. And there's other instances where they've spoke of each other as being good friends. And um, it, it comes across that overall the rapport was perhaps very up and down, but you know, all the same, they got the job done. I mean, that they all of their 70s albums are held in high regard. I mean, 1978's Love Beach that divides opinion massively, but mm-hmm. you know, and it really was a lot of people say the end for the band, um, even though they did get back together later. Um, but yeah, a lot of up and downs, I think. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start.
because you use classical music in a way that hadn't been done before. I mean, yes, maybe on Nights of Mind Satin had used classical orchestration instruments, but ELP were producing them by MOG synthesizers. And you quote Justin Hayward of the Moody Blues as saying, that sounds as if it was recorded backwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting how all the all the bands at the time, because the music press was, you know, keen to talk to everybody who was making this music, that there's a lot of, um, you know, interesting points at which people sort of compared themselves to other musicians. And I, I love that. This is funny because everybody says, oh, don't compare yourself to other people. But that was very much, I think, something that helped prog rock. You know, they're all sort of listening to what each other were doing and even trying to outfrog each other at times. I, I don't think the result was a bad thing necessarily. <laughs>
FM, online and through your smart speakers. This is Castle Down FM News Update. From the Sky News Centre at 8. Labour has confirmed it's ditching a promise to spend £28 billion a year on environmental projects. The party says it'll now spend a fraction of that, but will still meet previous commitments if it wins the next election. Environmentalists, trade unions and some backbenchers have criticised the move. The Queen says the King is doing well and is very touched by support from members of the public. Her Majesty has been in Salisbury for her first engagement since news of the King's cancer diagnosis emerged and medical staff from Wiltshire Air Ambulance have asked after him. He's doing extremely well under the circumstances and he's very touched by all the letters and messages. That's very cheering. Charles is spending time at Sandringham after beginning treatment this week. The US Supreme Court has expressed scepticism of Colorado's decision to disqualify Donald Trump from running for the presidency. There's been hearing arguments in a legal challenge to the original decision. Ukraine's president has replaced the chief of his army after months of rumours about a rift between them. Alexander Sirsky, who was born in Russia, has been appointed in the biggest shake-up since Moscow's invasion began. Some commentators are concerned he's not popular among those he's in command of, while others believe he has the necessary experience. Scotland's footballers will be supported by the soundtrack of bagpipes this summer. UEFA will allow supporters to take the instrument into stadiums at Euro 2024, as long as they're registered with the Scottish FA. Scotland opened the tournament against hosts Germany in Munich. Ian Emerson is the editor of the famous Tartan Army magazine. Bagpipes, yeah, you know, they're our uh, main weapon. If not so secret, they're our main weapon for our support, and they really do rally us round. And some people may say it's not music, but it's music to my ears, definitely. And Finland's flagship airline Finnair says it'll now weigh passengers as well as their luggage. It's voluntary and anonymous and it aims to prevent the carrier exceeding the maximum load for a safe takeoff. And that's the latest. I'm Simon English. We are. We are. Castle Down FM. Sounds Interesting with Steve G. Welcome back to uh, Sounds Interesting. And uh, if you haven't already been listening, (laughs) where have you been? But uh, what we're doing tonight is uh, looking at the band ELP because they were an incredible supergroup. And uh, ready to help us with that is uh, Laura Shenton, who's written an amazing book about the band. And we'll come back to Laura very shortly. But uh, first of all, I want to play uh, this track from Emerson Lake and Farmer. This is called The Old Castle.
amazing, isn't it? Uh, the old castle is called Emerson Lake and Palmer. And what you see there is all their kind of influences. And uh, if you were listening to the first half, you may have heard that we were talking about some of those influences. Some came from uh, the classical world. And I was saying that really Emerson Lake and Palmer were the first ones to really kind of use it in the way, or to use uh, orchestral uh, kind of arrangements in the way they did. And they used a lot of it actually on those synthesizers, an incredible kind of electronics. Uh, but actually before that, really the only kind of way in which it had been used or been been used in a rock kind of sense, was uh, we like with bands like Moody Blues, where they used it on that uh, amazing album Nights in White Satin. So let's just have uh, a little uh, track from the Moody Blues from that album. This is called Tuesday Afternoon, Forever Afternoon. I've got to find out why 
local radio for everyone. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. And as you said, the next album was uh, pictures at an exhibition in November 1971, and some of it was recorded live at the Newcastle City Hall on the 26th of March 1971. It was an important landmark uh, album for the band, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm biased in that it's my favourite album <laughs> of theirs, um, and I, I think it's brilliant because you know they took Mussorgsky's piece and they they you know they stayed true to the original in terms of what they did with the, the, the main theme, but they also added their own ideas um, in abundance as well. And it's it's great record. It's it's a great performance, um, and it, it's just amazing because you know it's. If you weren't aware of the original piece, you'd you'd probably struggle to to pinpoint exactly where ELP were bringing in their own ideas or not. Um, but I, I suppose that's testament to how well they kind of blended their own ideas with with the original. And uh, ELP uh, took a break from touring in September 1971 to record their next album, Trilogy. And what we need to remember in the 70s, bands were making more money from sales of their albums than they were on tour. Nowadays, it's the other way around, of course. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who was going to gigs at the time was very lucky. I mean, the cost was so so cheap i mean mm. it, it was it was negligible compared to what it is today i mean now it's mm. seen as like a investment in an experience where yes, back then true. i think it was probably quite casual um but yeah trilogy is an interesting one because it wasn't as well received as the band's previous work um but then of course you know after that they had brain salad surgery and it really you know that album did wonders for them um, mm. when it came out in 1973 
And the second book that the complexity of the music was such that the band were reluctant to perform it on stage. Uh, sorry, talking probably more of the trilogy album at that time. Uh, you know, so, so that was that must have been quite hard, really. That they they you know they just felt they couldn't do it. I mean, again, in the, these days, you know, they can put a lot. Uh, they can do that through uh, through the effects and, and computers, etc., etc. Mm. I they definitely um, said in the interviews um, after the fact that um, trilogy it really was something when it came to performing live they they'd made a bit of a bod for their own backs um, because to replicate something of that complexity and it's got so many layers and so many textures as well to so to do that on stage is is really setting yourself up for, <laughs> for oh. some trouble really a bit like the Beatles and Sergeant Pepper I guess isn't that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, in October 1972, you quote a reference uh, made by Greg Lake to a Daily Mirror uh, reporter. Uh, you say, I realised all of a sudden we had nobody to compete with. The three of us were good and the group is bettering better than any of us. So, you know, that was quite a statement, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember um, thinking about whether to include that quote. <laughs> when, when you started reading it, I thought, oh, yeah, I remember writing about that one because cause I, was, I was cautious to include it in the book, in fact, because I thought, oh, I don't want to portray somebody as being arrogant when that perhaps wasn't necessarily the case. But I thought, well, that's what was quoted at the time, so mm. I'll include it. <laughs> and it might not have been meant in an arrogant sense. You know, it might have been a genuine statement of where they felt they were compared yeah, to Yeah, I, I, I must admit, when I read yeah. it, I didn't, I didn't read it as bit them being arrogant. I did, as you say, uh, it was more as if that's where they were at that particular time. Yeah, and if that's how they they truly felt, then fair play. Because I think all creatives and musicians, especially, it's it's very common to think, oh, what are my peers doing? Not not in an unhealthy way, just in a you know keeping an eye out or an ear out for for anything that's genuinely inspiring and if they didn't feel inspired by what their peers were doing at the time that's understandable because i think they do they were always bands that kind of you know had really high hopes for what they wanted to achieve mm. whether ultimately uh, that led to the breakup of elb in 1979 or, or was it uh, the change that had happened with the emergence of punk and, and later uh, new wave what do you think yeah that's a really interesting um sort of area entirely because um, you know, towards the end of the 70s, I, I I don't think any band who, you know, fared well with progressive rock, none of them were immune from that pressure of, oh, mm. we've, we've got to, you know, choose a direction. And and a lot of bands did lose their way to that. I mean, some some did OK. I mean, I think Jethro Tull fared pretty well. You know, they've they've always been a bit of an anomaly. Mm. Um, you know, they've, they've never been you know cool or fashionable in inverted commas that that probably did them a favor and then you have groups like yes and genesis mm. um who went in an entirely different direction with the whole electronic thing i think elp um got very lost in the whole thing and love beach is very much evidence of that i mean i wouldn't say it's a bad album but it's it's very much the sound of a group who perhaps weren't too sure what to do with themselves by that point
broken up, hadn't they? Yeah, it was very much a case of, you know, doing, I mean, they, it was a contractual obligation album, so um, it was very much a case of doing the bare minimum to jump through the hoops, really. <laughs> um, you know, they, and because everything was multi-tracks, they weren't even doing things together by that point. It, it was strained, to say the least, and they all, they all said the same in, you know, in interviews but but when you know when they got back together in the 90s they they must have missed something about working together so again you know a very up and down band really and in 1985 emerson and lake decided it was time to reform emerson lake and palmer um, wanted to start recording again however at this time carl palmer was a member of asia so it was decided by emerson and lake to audition another drummer and the man they chose also had the same starting with p which really helped to be fair, he was chosen because he had already proved his worth as a drummer with his appearance in Rainbow. So here's a track from Cozy Pal. This is called Theme One.
called uh, Theme One there from the great uh, drummer Cozy Powell. And in the 1970s, uh, Cozy Powell had some success as a solo artist. He spent 38 weeks on the singles charts, and his greatest hit was his first stab at the singles charts, when on the 8th of December 1973, uh, the, the track Dance with the Devil got to number three and stayed on the chart for 15 weeks. Cozy Powell died on the 5th of April 1998, aged just 50. title of your book for a time and a place yeah i think a time and a place sums it up really um you know 
prog rock and that sound was very much of its day um i mean i wouldn't want to use the term dated because it's there's so much about it that we can enjoy today i mean i wasn't even there (laughs) i wasn't (laughs) even there when it happened um but yeah i i think for any band who had sort of solidified a, a specific reputation musically um, when you look at all the stuff that was popular in the 90s, that there was always going to be, you know, a massive hill to climb to have any sort of commercial scope to succeed, really. True. So how would you sum up what ELP created on their in their music? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a question because they achieved so much. Indeed. Um, I, think, I think the music will stand the test of time. I, I remember Greg Lake... With, quoted him being instrumental in i think it was 71 or 72 and he said something to the effect of you know if people are enjoying the band's music in 50 years time he'll be very happy about that and of course it's more than 50 years later now and the music has lasted that's what i'd say the music has lasted and that's that's the thing isn't it good music will last well thank you very much laura uh, for your uh contribution about that and uh, the book which of course is called uh, a time and a place the elp story and that can be got in presumably in all the good uh, book bookshops and uh, elsewhere it can you can get it from wherever you prefer to get your books you can also get it from the publisher's website um weimer that's w-y-m-e-r
FM 104.7 and 107.6 through your smart speaker. Play Castle Down FM and online via the World Wide Web. We are Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Laura Shenton. My thanks to her again. And the track you just heard was Fanfare for the Common Man from Amazon Lake and Palmer. But here now is a track uh, that Carl Palmer made when he was still a member of Atomic Rooster. And this is called Friday the 13th. Atomic Rooster there and uh, Friday the 13th. Well, uh, I got the 
bit of new music for you now. This is Circles of Time, and this comes from uh, the Yes album Mirror to the Sky. I'm caught in a circle of time Stuck on a spinning wheel of our Few hellos and many goodbyes I'm caught in an endless time circle Spinning out of mind Wishing somehow I could Get off of this ride Across the polar night The blue twilight Time circles Time circles Far and away I'm off to ride the sun's bending rays And I'm lost to your sight circle of time Stuck on a spinning wheel of our few hellos and many goodbyes I'm caught in an endless time circle Spinning out of mind Wishing somehow I could get off of this ride the polar night the twilight as we fly right through the mid midnight sun as we head into the mid midnight sun the lonely midnight Well, that's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? That's, uh, yes, there, Circles of Time from their album, uh, Mirror of the, to the Sky. Well, uh, okay, now we're going to have a, a track from uh, Jethro Tull's uh, latest album, and uh, the, the album's called Rock Float. This particular track is called All Father. <laughs> One 
she's above the well Nine days pass in the blink of one eye One in heaven, the other in hell Our Father, learn from the symbols Born in these waters, a gift of the giving To lovers who fall at the feet of the Master And bathe in the presence, the death of the living Facebook page or Twitter at Castle Down FM. Sounds interesting with Steve G. Smiles you'll give and tears you'll cry And all you 
touch and all you see is all your life will ever be. Yeah, Pink Floyd and uh, Breathe in the Air. Well, of course, that was from their album uh, Dark Side of the Moon. But in fact, that was a a new one that's just come out. Uh, It was recorded live at Wembley in London, 1974. And uh, as I say, they've just brought that out. uh, So a brand new album there for you uh, from Pink Floyd. Uh, Okay, well, that's just about all we've got time for tonight. Next week, I shall be joined by... um, Helen Spaulding. Now, uh, Helen Spaulding is the wife of the late Phil Spaulding. Now, Phil Spaulding was very much uh, a session musician for all sorts of people, but we're going to be particularly featuring uh, Toya, because uh, a new album of hers out called Anthem, of which Phil plays on. But we will also be playing some other tracks from him, and as I say, we're speaking to his wife, uh, Helen. So do join us for another edition of Sounds Interesting next week. Voice of Tidworth and Ludgershall heard around the world. We are Castle Down FM. On 
FM, online and through your smart speakers. This is Castle Down FM. News update.